to glory the radio ministry of calvary chapel of the harbor join us now as pastor joe teaches from the book of proverbs chapter 28 why don't we open up to proverbs 28 verse 1 proverbs 28 verse 1 the wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are bold as a lion don't you love that The wicked flee when no one pursues. Uh, They flee because they have a bad conscience. They have guilt. They're, you know, because of sin, because of guilt, you know, they're timid, they're fearful, they're paranoid. And I'm sure every one of us have been there at one point in our lives. I'm sure, you know, if you think back, a time that you messed up and you were, you know, I think back even as a young child, you know, doing things, you know, like putting your hand in the cookie jar and then your parent, one of your parents walk in. You're like, you know, just you're, you have this guilt like, oh, no. And it brings fear. It brings guilt when you when you sin, when you when you mess up and the wicked flee when no one even pursues. When, when no one's, you know, even pursuing them there, it gives you this picture. They're fearful. I remember when I was young. I don't know if you guys had this here. The, the, the night before Halloween, we used to call it Devil's Night. Do you guys do that here? This is in Michigan. You, no? Boy, we're, Detroiters are terrible, aren't they? Wow. Yeah, they, we, we used to call it Devil's Night. It was just like, I think the whole state called it Devil's Night. You know, the night before. And you, people would do the craziest things. It was just like a, kind of a, like a free-for-all. You'd go out and do some crazy stuff. Uh, kids, when I was young, we used to, you know, get uh, eggs you know, a few dozen eggs, and we would throw eggs at the homes, and, and uh, there's no kids here, right? <laughs> but, uh, and we get just silly things, you know, kind of harmless type of stuff. We'd get like paper, uh, toilet paper, and we'd throw it in the trees and stuff like that, that kind of stuff. And it, it was a, just a weird night. It was called, you know, again, terrible, devil's night. And, and we didn't even think twice. We thought, wow, this is fun, you know, devil's. And then we used to get uh, that whipped cream in a can, and we used to spray people with that. And and people we knew, we didn't, we didn't go so far as to, you know, spray people we didn't know. We didn't do that kind of stuff. But another thing that's uh, in Detroit during that time, they would have curfews because uh, they went to the extreme. They would literally burn down, I mean, tons of homes would get burnt down that, on that day, on Devil's Night. And they, so they had uh, curfews, restrictions for kids not to be on the streets and stuff like that in that area. And uh, so it was pretty bad. But uh, the reason, the point I'm trying to get at here, <laughs> all that terrible stuff, the, the point I'm trying to get at is I remember after, you know, throwing eggs at a home and stuff, when we'd see a police car drive by even blocks away, we would start running. They're not even pursuing us. But we were so ridded with guilt because we knew we were wrong. So when they were not pursuing us, they weren't even coming after us, we would flee. We would run. And I think about just practical stuff here for us as Christians. When we sin, when we mess up, when we, when we fall, 
how a guilty conscience can keep us from being bold. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever have that happen where you feel so guilty? You're like, oh, you, you know, I've seen people even in church, you know, they can't even lift their head. You know, they're kind of looking like this. And because they're, they're, they have so much guilt and shame. But that's why Jesus died. He, he died for our sin, but also he died for our conscience, to our guilty conscience, our evil conscience. Our, he, he, so he doesn't just take away the sin. He goes deep down and he cleanses even our conscience, right? Even the guilt that's there. And that is so wonderful. So as, as Christians, we're so blessed because the, the unbelievers, they have nowhere to put their sin. And deep down, they have, they have this guilt complex type thing going. They're guilty all the time. And, and, you know, and I think a lot of times you know, people will take substances. They'll take drugs. They'll, take, they'll drink and they'll do different things. They'll have different addictions. Trying to just you know, drown out and forget about or numb themselves with these different substances to try to numb themselves because they, they, they have so much guilt. But thank you, Lord. We don't have to do that. We just need to go to the cross with the guilt. And I want to encourage everybody here. I, I know this is basic 101, but if you're here today and you're, you're, you've got a bunch of guilt on your head and you're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Well, go to the cross. If you're a Christian, just go to the cross. If you're not a Christian, go to the cross and give your life to Jesus Christ. But I just want to encourage you as believers, we need to continue to go to the cross I remember once, many, many years ago, a, a gentleman, he was in worship and all, and, and he would show up, you know, he was supposed to show up sometimes, he wouldn't show up, and then he would, you know, always, you know, have an excuse why he wasn't able to come and, and all, and, and one day he came up to me and he says, he goes, how do you do it? And I says, how do I do what? He goes, how can you get up there in that pulpit being, you know, you're a sinner, we're all sinners, how can you get up there and, you know, and, and preach? And he says, how can you do that? And I said, the cross? And I said, we go to the cross. And he changes us. And it just, I, that stuck with me because I just remembered he, he had such a hard time to, to be able to minister because of guilt. Hebrews 9.13, I'm going to read it to you. It says, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, check this out, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It cleanses our conscience. The blood of Jesus Christ goes deep inside and cleanses us deep within. And we need to go to the cross for the cleansing. The wicked flee and no one pursues because they have such guilt. One more verse to go with that. Uh, Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Isn't that nice? Our conscience can be washed and cleansed and, and taken care of when we go to the cross of Jesus Christ. Are you going to the cross? Are you taking advantage of that? I hope you are. But this is the part I like the best, the second part. <laughs> but the righteous are bold as a lion. The lion, it's known uh, as the king of the jungle. He's, he's, you know, he, he walks around. He, he's not afraid when there's a kangaroo around. He doesn't, you know, like, whoa. You know? He walks around the jungle. He's, he's bold. 
He's the king of the jungle. He's not afraid of the other animals there. So you, you have that picture. The righteous, uh, when we're right before God, when our, our life is right before God, we can have boldness. The, the righteous are bold as a lion. We don't have to be cowardly. We can you know, boldly profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gives us that boldness. God wants us to. I think of Paul the Apostle as we're looking through the book of Acts on Sunday. What a bold man. So bold. But think of this. He was there when Stephen was stoned, martyred, the first martyr. He was taking Christians and dragging them and and having them beaten. And he even says, you know, he had Christians killed for their faith. And you think of this. So now he, you know, he gives his life to the Lord. He meets Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He's new. And, And think of how the enemy would have loved to just rid him with guilt. You killer. How can you preach? You're a killer. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed him from all unrighteousness. And he was able to go out with great boldness. The righteous are bold as a lion. I want to ask you, does the Lord give you that boldness? Do you go out when you're sharing your faith? Do you ever ever share your faith and all of a sudden, you know, you have like this this strength, like a supernatural, as you're sharing the gospel of Jesus. It's almost to me, sometimes when I'm sharing my faith, it's almost like the Lord is just showing up saying, yes, I want to talk to this person. And it just gives you such boldness to, to, to tell the person about Jesus Christ. And, and I, I think that's why this verse is one of my favorites. It keeps coming to my mind. It's like, the righteous are bold as a lion. We have such boldness in Jesus Christ. I heard a story about a, a lion that was all puffed up with pride. And he was out in the jungle. And he went up to the kangaroo and he asked the kangaroo, he said, who's the king of the jungle? And he, the kangaroo was shaking and all nervous and said, you know, you are, the, the, the lion's the king of the jungle. And he's, that's right. He's roaring and he's all proud. He's puffed up. And he, he goes up to the giraffe. And he says, who's the king of the jungle? And the giraffe says, you are, you, you are, you know, the lion, the lion. He says, you're, that's right. And he's all, you know, puffed up and he's walking around all proud. And he goes up to the elephant and he says, who's the king of the jungle? And the elephant picks him up by the trunk and throws him into the tree. Picks him up again, throws him into another tree. And he walks up to him and he kicks him. The lion starts rolling and the lion gets up. He says, he goes, well, you didn't have to take it out of me because you didn't know the answer. <laughs> so we're not to be puffed up with the pride. and we're, to, we're bold as lions, but we're not to be puffed up. The righteous are bold as lions. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Verse 2. Because of the transgression of a land, many are its princes. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. Because of transgression, many are its princes. With much corruption in a land, typically, you know, governments, you know, toppled easily. Corruption, you know, you see different people ruling, different princes, different rulers come in and out. And it's because of the corruption, I believe it's speaking of But when there's a a man of understanding, when there's a a good ruler, a godly ruler, it's prolonged. Uh, There's a blessing on the land. And government stays in power. And and you'll have, you know, typically, if they're godly and, and, uh, you know, the Lord keeps them there, they have a long reign. The people, typically, if they're prospering, they want to keep that government there, because they want to prosper. They want to do good, and they see the, you know, the, the hand of God, possibly. Boy, where have we gone in America? It's like, whoa. I believe this is a reminder for us to 
do our best to, to vote, to have godly people in office. I mean, sometimes we complain, you know, we complain about who's in office, but we put them there. And that it, it kind of reflects who we are when we have ungodly people in office. Well, you know, typically it's because there's ungodly people in the land and they're voting for ungodly people in office. If there was, you know, a majority of godly people and majority of those that love the Lord, you know, there would be godly people in office. We would, you know, and I just want to encourage you as we vote and, you know, just a, as a reminder, let's vote biblically. Uh, sometimes I'm shocked. Sometimes I, I talk with people and they say, well, you know, I'm voting for this person. I'm voting for that. You know, we can't tell people who to vote for. But, but I'm like, really? Are, are you, do you know what they stand for? Do you know they stand for this and they stand for that? It, totally against what the Bible stands for. And, and we have to, you know, do our best to, to vote biblically. I love Proverbs 14, 34. It says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. I'll tell you what, I'm praying that there will be revival in the land. And I, I'm very hopeful. I believe that I, I've, these last few months or so, I, I've been you know, saying this more and more, but I truly believe in my heart, stronger and stronger, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. And with that, though, I'm like, okay, Lord, and maybe, I don't know if this is the Lord or what's, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, if you're going to come back very soon, uh, I don't know if I was you. I, I'm not you. I'm not telling you what to do. But I would think that wouldn't it be great to have one last revival just before the rapture? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And I kind of have that hope that there's going to be a true revival throughout the land before Jesus Christ comes back. And the Lord will capture us up and take us up to be with him. That's my hopes. We know one day righteousness will exalt the nations, when Jesus Christ comes back, when we come back with him during the millennium. And that's going to be awesome. But you see, with, with this, you know, just a, I believe, just a little reminder for us. Let's do our best on our end to, to bring people in office that rule. Or if you're called to that, that you would be one that would be used in that capacity. So righteousness can exalt a nation. Verse 3, a poor man who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain which leaves no food. When the poor oppress the poor, it's like a destroying rain that uh, destroys the crops. And it's destructive. It's terrible. It shouldn't happen. I mean, think of this. Think through this. A poor, poor people oppressing the poor. I mean, think of that. Poor people. I mean, usually it's the rich that oppress the poor. It's not usually the poor that oppress the poor. So it's saying this is, it's destructive. It's just a mess if that happens. And I think through that and I think about, well, as Christians, you know, even Jesus said, Matthew 5, 3, he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we're to be poor in spirit. In other words, we're to realize, apart from him, we're nothing. Apart from Jesus, our goodness, our, you know, we're sinners, and he's died on the cross to take away our sin. And it should bring us to this place where, you know, we, we look at this and we say, oh, Lord, I need you so much. I'm poor in spirit, Lord. I, I need you. I need your spirit. 
So we realize we're poor in spirit, but it should motivate us. Check this out. Follow me here. It should motivate us to, for those around us that, that mess up and they're poor in spirit, that, that we're not to oppress them. We're to, to show them the way that they can have you know, forgiveness of their sin. And we're to be, we should be the most gracious people in all the world. But it's not always that way. I mean, if we're truly forgiven of our sins, we're going to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did. We're saved by grace through faith. We should be so gracious. We should be the the most gracious people in the world. We should be, you know, quick to forgive. And slow to anger. Went to, um, this is so funny. Sunday after, after church, we went out to eat and then we went to see a play called My Fair Lady. And I thought, you know, you know, for weeks, my wife has been asking me and somebody that goes to our church, she's in the play and, and all. And I thought, that's great. That's wonderful. I love it. I love it. You know, I like to go, but I'm thinking, I'm a guy, my fair lady. <laughs> and she kept asking me, and I said, honey, well, can somebody else go with you? One of the ladies go with you maybe to see my fair lady. <laughs> and she goes, okay, okay. And it was so sweet though. She, you know, because of the woman's retreat and all. She goes, honey, she says, we've been apart, you know, all this time, you know, and, and she said, I know we make you sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The single people are just shaking their head like you. Come on. <laughs> but she says, can you please go with me, please? And I'm thinking I'm taking one for the team. I mean, you know, I'm really, I'm taking one. I said, oh, you sure, honey? It's, you know, and then we were on our way there and I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, with, this is the husband thing to do. And yes, you know, I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross, follow Jesus. <laughs> and on our way there, she says, oh, by the way, honey, it's three hours. I go, what? I go, no, it's not. She goes, no, no, it's three hours. I go, three, three hours. I go, okay. All right. So we get there. It's probably one of the best plays I've ever seen in my entire life. I was so blessed. And I was like, wow. And I was shocked. And I'm not shocked that, you know, I, I was just shocked that I enjoyed it so much. I think I enjoyed it more than she did. <laughs> and now I'm trying to think, how did I go there from this verse? <laughs> wow. Back to my point with, with us. I think that's good enough. I'll, I'll use that. I was so caught up in the moment of how much I enjoyed that play. It was awesome. But back to that point of the gratefulness. When we realize, back to that, when we realize, like in the play, you know, we're, we've been brought from the gutter of sin. Have you realized that? Are we in that place where we realize we've been brought from darkness and sin and garbage and junk and we've been brought into his marvelous light? I think we need to be reminded of that constantly that we again would be the most gracious people that walk this earth. May we not be poor in spirit and then oppress those around us that are poor in spirit and and give them a hard time. But may we be an example of, hey, yeah, you're wretched, but so was I. There is hope. There is help. 
There is one that can change you. There is one that can help you. A poor man who oppresses the poor. We're poor in spirit. May we never oppress those. May we give them hope for those that are in need of forgiveness. And may we be those that are quick to forgive others because it's destructive. It's like a driving rain which leaves no food. It's very destructive when you see poor oppressing poor. Verse 4. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Those who are not following the ways of the Lord, they compliment those who practice wickedness. I remember before I accepted Christ and before I started walking with the Lord, you know, I would boast about what I did, and, and those that were wicked, they would, they would applaud me. For, you know, and it was like you know, we, we would applaud each other. And, and basically, that's the picture that you have here. When, when others are forsaken the law, they praise the wicked. They're, they're on the same page. They're, you know, and, and thank God, you know, the Lord has delivered us out of that. But then on the other hand, those that keep the law, they contend with them. Those that are poor in spirit, they're looking for hope. We're to be there and give them hope. But, but those that are outright wicked, we're to contend with that. And, and sometimes it's hard to have that balance. I know sometimes I have a hard time when the, the Lord will have a, me deal with you know, something that's wicked. And, and it's like this. And the enemy tries to come in and says, oh, that was real loving of you. Have you ever had that happen? You know, and you're, you're dealing with people that are truly wicked. And there's a big difference, again, when you're dealing with someone that's looking for the Lord or you're watching the hand, you're watching someone being drawn. Yeah, you deal with them with a broken heart and you, you, you minister to them. But when you're dealing with people that are outright wicked, you contend with that. And you deal with that. You have to deal with that. Because you don't want the wickedness to spread. You don't want that wickedness to continue. And I, I can't stand when you, you have people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, we, you know, we just think the best. Love believes all things. And, we're like, and they allow a person to, to destroy other people's lives. And you're not to do that. And there's a difference. We're to contend with those type of things when wickedness is reigning. And there's times when we have to contend with that. Somebody breaks into my house and somebody's, you know, trying to hurt my wife or something. I'm not just going to say, praise God. You know, let's uh, no. You're to contend with wickedness when it's, you're confronted with it. And that's what this is telling us. But such is keep the law. They contend with it. They contend with the wickedness. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. That's a powerful verse. Evil men do not understand what's right and wrong. Justice. I remember a gentleman that worked with me many years ago and he would use God's name. He would swear and use God's name in, in vain. And he would, you know, all the time. And it just, it irked me. And I would, you know, call him on it. But I remember every time I would say something to him, he would say, did I really say that? I said, yeah, you just said it three times in a row. And he's like, oh, he goes, you know what? My wife's been telling me about that. I don't, he goes, I don't even realize I, I do that. And those that are evil. They, they don't understand it. They just don't. Sometimes they just, they, they're in this pattern that they, they, they just continue in that way. And, you know, sometimes you're like, whoa, they don't even get it. There's different people that I've dealt with just recently and they're, they're in the world. And it's just like, you know, and I just expect it. I'm just watching them like they, they don't even get it. It's just like, you know, the things that they're doing and even some of the foulness that's coming out of their mouths and the things that they're saying, I'm like, it's like, whoa. And, and then you, you say something to them and they're, they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, you just said this and that. And they're like, 
No, I didn't. I said, no, you did. You just said that. And they don't understand justice. They don't understand. They're, they need to be set free. But check out the, the latter part of verse 5. But those who seek the Lord understand all. God gives us understanding when we seek the Lord. That's one of the things I noticed when I gave my life to Christ, that the word of God was opened up to me. I, I had understanding like I've never had before. I had such a radical change in my life that it was just like amazing. As you know, as I've mentioned before, going to church the day after I accepted Christ into my life, when they read out of the Bible, it was like God was speaking right to me for the very first time. And I was like, wow, I, I understand it. Come the throne of mercy. The sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. The throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our.